House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Uh, joining us today is a uh, an author that uh, we came across. He's written a lot of great books, and I think uh, you'll love it. Um, so, joining us all the way from Spain is Olivier Bosman. Thank you for being on the phone. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. So, uh, this this uh, it's the first time you've been on the show. So, uh, give a little bit of your history. Um, how did you get into writing books? Well, um, initially I um, wanted to write uh, plays and screenplays. So that's um, that's the thing that attracted me the most um, because I particularly love writing dialogue. Um, and I did a degree, um, a master's degree in creative writing for film and television, and I pursued that as a career. I had an agent, and things went well for a while, but eventually nothing came of it. And... Um, well, that's when I decided to change tractor. You know, there was no no um, no point keeping on at it, at it if there was no result. So I thought um, I discovered self-publishing, and I thought, well, that would be a great way to at least get my my stories out um, to the general public. So um, I, yeah, I, uh, I decided to um, you know, what I really wanted to do was to tell stories, and whether they are in the form of a play or a screenplay, it didn't matter to me that much. Um, so this seemed to be an avenue that that might work, and so that's why I changed track and and started writing. Hmm. Now you you uh, tend to write uh, mystery and and mystery fiction, I guess it would be. Um, what drew you to doing that kind of writing? Well, uh, um, y yes, um, I, I do mostly write mystery. It wasn't. It's something that kind of um, came about accidentally. Um, the very first mystery that I wrote was a play. Um, I decided to, to produce a play myself, to have a play on, on a... Um, uh, so I wrote Death Takes a Lover as a play. Um, I, I, the, the thing that worked for me previously when I wrote screenplays was to take an, an established genre and give it my own twist. So when I decided to write a play, uh, which I would stage myself, um, I thought about a genre that appealed to me, and I'd, um, I'd recently been reading um, The Woman in White and the Moonstone, um, two novels by Wilkie Collins, um, famous Victorian uh, mystery writer. And I just thought a Victorian mystery, a moody, gothic Victorian mystery would just be perfect. So I wrote this play. In the play, there was a detective who um, uh, tried to solve the mystery, and, um, well, the detective was just such a compelling character. I just thought, you know, this should, this should be a series, a series of mystery novels with this, um, with this, uh, detective. And, and that's how it all started. And well, I've now written five, five books. Um, I'm, I've recently finished the sixth book in, um, in the series. And, uh, well, people have taken to it. I, I enjoy writing. And yes, but it was, yeah, it was by accident. It wasn't a deliberate thing. Yeah. Do you know, when, when you're writing, so this is Victorian uh, mystery, um, do you have to, you must have to do a lot of research to uh, really make sure the specifics are right and the time era and all the details. Um, how long does that take you to do? Yeah, there is a, um, there is a lot of um, research that I did. I did a lot of research when I did um, my first book, um, The Ornamental Hermit. Um, I did a lot of background research on how police 
prestigious work, um, the history of um, the detectives, uh, the history of Scotland Yard. I did a lot of research there, um, uh, which which helped me with all the other books. So um, I do less and less research as, or at least less specific research um, as the series progresses. Um, but yeah, mostly you know um, the good thing about writing on the on the computer is that you've got internet access. So whenever uh, you know you need to look something up, um, you can just Google things. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of constant research. I mean, usually I read one or two or three um, books before I even start writing the particular story that I want to write, um, just to get some ideas. And then once I'm writing, I'm constantly researching stuff. Yes. Now, on this series that you're doing uh, that starts with the Ornamental Hermit, um, now, this is about uh, Detective Sergeant John. Now, um, and it's 1890, and uh, it, looks like, it looks like he's um, got struggles in his own life, you know, and morphine addiction. That's right. So, how did you f- create that character? Like, what do you draw from? in order to create a person that's like this detective and he's morphine and all that. How do you get all the components and where do you draw it from? Right, so it, it all started with the, with, the, with the play that I mentioned, Death Takes a Lover. The, the play is about um, um, an event that happened in an isolated house in the Yorkshire Moors and the detective is sent there to find out exactly what happened. And so the play revolves around the detective interviewing the uh, members of the household, you know, the servants and the family of the household, and try to get to the bottom of what happened. But um, the detective had to have something going on himself, um, otherwise it would have been too boring. Um, so I tried to think of some kind of struggle, some kind of internal struggle that he dealt with. And as the, um, as the, the, the main theme of that play was sexual repression, I felt, you know, this had to be a, a detective who was himself sexually repressed. So I came up with the idea of making him um, a homosexual detective, but uh, who was not comfortable with his sexuality and who tried to suppress his sexuality and then used morphine to suppress his sexuality. And that's where all these demons of this detective um, evolved. And that's what makes the detective so interesting and uh, compelling to read about. And, um, yeah, so uh, as the series progresses, he slowly starts getting more comfortable with his own sexuality and, you know, with his struggles with um, morphine addiction. And um, I, I, I guess what, what, what readers enjoy about this series is to find out how this particular detective evolves gradually as, uh, as the books progress. Do you, do you, do you know people that um, personally that have um, some of these uh, issues, like with the morphine, or they're hiding their sexuality, and do you, do you draw from them, or is this just all you, it happens in your mind, imagination? Well, no, I mean, inevitably, when you're writing a character like that, a lot of my own personality does go into the character. I mean, he's a very complex, um, he's a very complex character. Um, I, I, I am not a morphine addict. I've never. I don't know anything really about morphine addiction. <laughs> I've had. You know, I've had to research that. But you know, I, I am gay, and I have also had um, struggles. Well, n- not exactly struggles, but you know, there's been. I guess most most gay gay people would say that there have been periods where they were uncomfortable with their sexuality. So I've got that to draw on. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's not just those those issues that make um, that make this character complex. He's also very stubborn. He's also a bit um, introverted. Um, he feels alienated because he, uh, he he feels like he doesn't really belong um, in the country that he lives because he grew up in a different country and he didn't know where to fit in. And all, these are all just issues that I have that I I, I, I give to this uh, character. Right. So, well, um, you, you've yeah, traveled around. Well, you've traveled around That's a right. lot. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes what What makes you um, bounce around so much, just out of curiosity? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's some kind of restlessness. It's uh, just a desire to start all over again. You know, move to a different country, have a different set uh, circle of friends, a different job, a different environment. Uh, but I, I, I think it's probably my genes because um, I've inherited this from my my mother and my grandmother, who who both liked to move houses or at least you know rearrange the furniture in their own house to make it you know to give their their life a a, a new kickstart. It's it's just some kind of innate restlessness that I have. Yeah, well, that, and that certainly can add to the to the writing, right? The books and stuff. So that's yeah, absolutely yes. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, now, how how do you ever decide, like when you're doing these um, series of books, like for instance this one, um, is there an end to it, or do you keep coming back to it? Um, how do you shape that? Well, of course, I, yes, I, I I don't know. I'll, I'll keep on writing so long as I'm still in, interested by, um, you know, so long as, as, as the cloud still interests me. Um, I'll keep writing these books, so I don't have a, a particular number in mind. Um, I do write other books in between, um, just because you know, just to take a break. But um, well, so far, you know, I'm still interested. Um, I'll continue writing this uh, this series, but I don't have an ending in mind. No, I have an ending in mind for each particular book, um, but not for the whole series. I mean, uh, each book is a different mystery, and that mystery gets resolved at the end of that book. And then the next book will take place usually the next year, and it's a new mystery. But the internal struggles of uh, of the main character continue throughout, and and I don't know how that's going to end. I don't have an end in mind for that yet. No. Olivier, given the historical timescale that you've chosen for this particular series, was that a time that you've always been interested in, or was it a time that you you could really sort of empathise with in terms of that sexual repression? Well, I'm interested in history in general. Um, um, I, I chose that time because, as I said, I was inspired to write um, a Victorian Gothic mystery a la Wilkie Collins, like uh, you know, mm. the, the Woman in White and, and the Moonstone, which is set in the late Victorian period. Also, I think the late Victorian period is easier to write than uh, mid or early Victorian period because um, it's more similar to modern times. Um, it you know really it, society hasn't changed that much, especially not in England, since um, the late Victorian era. The late Victorian era is really the beginning of the modern era, um, in that people were mostly urbanised, and you had the industrial revolution, and you had uh, you know new technologies, and also people's attitudes. Um, well, there were you know it, it, it was. Um, more modern. Um, so I, I do feel I have a bit of an affinity with uh, the Victorian era. 
uh, with the late Victorian heroes, perhaps because of my upbringing in, in Colombia, where um, there is, um, well, it, there's a big division between the uh, rich and poor, mm-hmm. uh, which there was in the, in, the, in the Victorian era. And um, I also had, uh, I, I grew up in a house, in a middle class household with uh, living maids, for instance, so I, I, I was I, I kind of understand that relationship between between the, the, the rich and the poor, um, the way it existed in Victorian era. Um, so I do feel I have that kind of affinity because of that. Thank you. And do you feel that because obviously you're taking this character, you've developed the character, you you've had to look at them in the development of, of that character. You have to look at that as a multifaceted creation. Um, yes. So how? Do you have an affinity with him? Do you, do you feel like you want to nurture him and, and protect him through this journey to get to a successful outcome? Or do you still feel at the moment that you really don't quite know what you want for him? No, I, yes, I, 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 I do want him to... Um, I mean, the, the, the last book in the series, when I've decided to, to write that one, I do know it's going to end up happily for him. Um, but until then, he's going to have his ups and downs mm. because obviously you need you need that kind of drama um, in each book. But yes, I have you know I, I I do care for that character. I have I have grown very fond of him. And, uh, and how do how do you, when you when you write because you're writing a long series of books which you know will be you know, people will be just chomping at the bit to get to the next one, and so and you said you write others in between. Yes. So how do you how do you park that character when you finish the series? How how are you going to leave that character and then be able to to put all of that kind of that energy back into them, creating a new character? Will there still be that influence coming through from him? Do you think? Um, yes, uh, I mean his his um, development is quite slow. It, it, it takes him a couple of books to to start the. Doing, or start feeling a bit more comfortable about his um, his sexuality, but you know that's how how life works. You, you change mm. gradually as you get older, and each book is set um, after the previous one. So I mean, he's getting older as the books continue, and he's in his early thirties now, and I'm in my late forties. So you know, as, uh, I, I can see more or less how I have changed. Mm. So will he change? Um, so I can use my my own life experience um, um, to guide his development. Um, so yes, uh, it, it, it's not difficult to get back into him at all. I mean, I think I know him very well, and as I said, I, you know, I can use my own life experience, uh, my own feelings, my own thoughts and emotions, and um, give them to him. Um, so it's not it's, it's it's not it's not difficult at all to get back into. Uh, do you, do you think it would be hard to leave him when when you're then starting to invest in a new series? And will that be hard to to leave that character that you've invested so heavily in? I think it probably will be. Although you know, I might have a new character in a different series. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know. How, I, I have no intentions of leaving him just yet. So, uh, you know, I think I'll probably keep on writing him uh, all along. But what I am doing is I am changing the tone a little bit. So this new book that I've recently finished and that I'm going to be publishing this summer, it's also, um, it, it also has him as protagonist. 
But things have changed a little. I don't want to say how because that kind of yes. gives it away a little. Absolutely. But uh, things have changed for him. And he's going in a different direction. And so uh, for people who have been following the series, this would be the next one in the series. But I'm also calling it a, a spin-off series. So it's the beginning of a new series where there's a slight change, that change of direction mm. in the tone and in the kind of story that I'm telling. But it still has him as a protagonist. But that's one way to kind of breathe new life into into the series. It's when when we talk um, to various authors about um, their writings and and how they write, it usually gives some inspiration to others who are who are just kind of stepping into the world of writing, and right. and we sometimes explore how how people manage to keep focused and, and if they've got any particular activities or places they like to write. Um, and we were doing that on interviews yesterday. Is that, is that something that you, you need to do? Do you need to go somewhere else to write? Do you write at home? Is there any particular um, environment that you, you flourish better in? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I write at home um, you know, because, as I said, I do a lot of research while I write. It's just suddenly an, an idea occurs to me while I'm writing, and I feel like, well, I, actually, I need to, to find out a bit more about that. So it's useful to have the Internet um, there for me to look into it. But sometimes, sometimes um, I feel like I don't want to write at the computer. Um, mm. It's too distracting. Sometimes I just take a, a pen and a paper, and I go somewhere else. I go out into the patio, or I sit in my windowsill, or, um, you know, um, yeah, I'd go to a restaurant or a cafe and, and sit at a table and just write on pen and paper. And I, sometimes I just get more writing done that way. And sometimes the computer and research and things is just too distracting. It just takes me away, takes me away from my work. We, we were laughing and making fun yesterday in an interview of Al because Al, when he comes to finish a book, he goes away and stays in a hotel to finish it. And, <laughs> Oh, we, right. we, we, we believe this is just an excuse and many authors don't act in that way. Um, and you've just, you're kind of just proving my point, really, that Al just goes off for a jolly in a hotel. Oh, yeah. it's a holiday. It's a holiday. You know. <laughs> well, it's a way to celebrate as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I, no, I just can't do, do the work at home. It's, it's, it, it, there's too much going on. Um, with with dogs and all it, just all the stuff going on at home, so I I find it very difficult to uh, stay focused on what I'm doing. No, uh, yes. So um, you know, and and it's well, a bit no, of a I, I I don't know. I, I I do understand that because um, sometimes when I can't focus, I just you know pick up a, 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 as I said, I, I take a pen and paper and I just go somewhere else. Um, and um, also, I find I can do. I can do better work when I am on holiday. Um, you know, there's a lot of waiting around in airports and stuff like that. I just pick up my paper and I do some writing, and I often get more writing done that way. And a change of scenery also does help. Um, so I, you know, I always take some writing with me when uh, when I am going on holiday, and I do find that it, it, it does help to um, just have a change of, change of view, change of scenery, change of feel. You're being you're being far too kind to Al here now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Uh, there's a whole change of atmosphere. Like you're in a pla in a place with a lot of people you don't know. You're just you're going about your life in a different atmosphere. Absolutely, I I, I understand that. Yes, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a luxury though. It's it's a luxury, but uh, um, I, <laughs> is it? It's quite 
is quite a diva, Olivier. <laughs> you, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not true, but I, I, I can see, I, I can see some tension in that. Yeah. Well, it, it it works for me. That's when I get most of my <laughs> yeah. my yeah. done, right? I mean, you know, hey. Um, so speaking of that, too, do you have, um, like with this COVID-19 and, and the whole atmosphere of the world right now, um, I know that with somewhat writers, they're saying that it's, uh, you know, dark and they can't write, and then others are doing fine. Uh, has it affect you in your writing? Does it put, does it make you... Um, maybe have a little more dark uh, feelings when you write, or, or can you write at all? Um, well, no, it, it hasn't really affected me with regards to um, to to the feeling. Um, when uh, I, I, I did speak, or when it sort of, you know started to go really badly here in Spain, and we went into lockdown. Um, I was very distracted. Um, it was on the news, and I kept checking the news all the time. And I couldn't think about anything else because it's such a sensationalist story. This this whole um, uh, coronavirus um, um, crisis. It's um, so yeah. I kept checking the news, and I couldn't concentrate, and that and that lasted for about a week. Um, but then uh, um, I just decided, right, I, I need to get on with my work, so I just stopped watching the news. Just don't watch it or watch it only once or twice, you know, in the morning and in the evening. Uh, but I don't need to be uh, kept up to date every five uh, every five minutes. And well, we're we're a few months on now from uh, from when we first started in the lockdown, so I've kind of gotten used to it now. So it's, it's less uh, it's uh, it's less sensationalistic now. It's, uh, um, mm. Yeah. So uh, and, and apart from that, you know, um, I, I work from home anyway. I I, I teach English online. Uh, from home, so it hasn't affected my life that much. I can still, you know, throughout this this whole lockdown, I was still able to take the dog out for a walk three times a day. Um, so it, it hasn't changed my life that much. It's just uh, the news, just switch off the news, yeah. and then uh, <laughs> that dog has got me shut. Yeah. No, I was just wondering if it, it, it made you, um, if it put like a dark shadow over your feelings and maybe uh, some worry and that makes a difference yeah. in how you, you how you write yeah yeah I, I i i know what you mean but uh, no it didn't, it didn't really affect me in that way no hmm. interesting now so w what what does influence you what do you um grab on and and uh take in and uh it helps create some sort of thing in your book well, um, well, the, the, the great thing about writing mysteries of history is that um, you can write about any topic, and you just need to introduce some mystery into it in, in the plot. Um, so, uh, like for instance, this new book that I've, I've just finished, the, the new uh, Billings um, uh, mystery. Um, I was interested in, in the occult. In, you know, the, it was a very big thing. In the late Victorian era, there were a lot of esoteric um, societies um, and, um, you know, people writing esoteric books and looking for hidden meaning in, uh, in, in, the, in the ancient texts. Uh, and there was a lot of spiritualism and um, hypnotism. Uh, and this kind of things that they were very big in the Victorian era, 
And this was something that really interested me, and I did a lot of research about that, and I built a whole story and a whole mystery um, around that. In a previous book, um, is all about anarchists. Anarchists was also, anarchism was also very big in the late Victorian era, and um, anarchist terrorists. And that caught my interest at the time, so I built a whole, um, a whole plot around that. So, um, whatever interests me at that time, I, I can turn it into a, into a mystery novel, uh, for, uh, for my, uh, uh, for my detectives. So, so with that, um, what, have you had personal experiences in the paranormal or, or, or in that area? Has that kind of affected your, your, your own life? No, no, not really. I haven't, um, I haven't had, um, interesting. I'm not sure whether I, I believe it, uh, but I, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm interested in it just, um, well, I mean, I mean, I'm interested in, in things like, uh, Kabbalah, um, and, uh, 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 Christian mysticism, you know, um, you know, these are people who are reading the ancient texts, trying to find hidden messages as to, uh, what heaven looked like and, and what God's appearance is like. And, um, uh, yeah, people who actually believe in magic, like um, Alistair Crowley, which is uh, the the novel for uh, the um, I'm reading a biography about Alistair Crowley right now, which is which has influenced my my current uh, work in progress. Um, but yeah, it, it's just something um, I, I'm not interested because I'm I have any paranormal experiences myself. Um, I, I just find it interesting in an in, in intellectual capacity. I'm not sure I actually believe any of it. But mm-hmm. uh, what do you th- what do you think of Alistair Crawley then? What do you what do you think of something someone like that? Well, he was uh, he, I mean, he, he led an, uh, an amazing life. I, I didn't know um, that much about him when I started reading the uh, biography. He's had a he's had a, an, an amazing life, and he's uh, uh, you know he's well he wasn't a pleasant man. Obviously, he wasn't uh, he wasn't a very good man. But it's it's uh, I, I guess what interests me about it is that. It's it's a, it's a way of escaping. It's an um, escapism. It's it's a way of escaping his own life, and it's a way of justifying his darkest fantasies. Um, so he used magic um, as a way to indulge in the things that he wanted to indulge in, and he said, you know, he's doing it for the sake of magic, or for the sake of creating magic, or discovering magic, uh, when really um, it was just him wanting to do those things. Um, yes, he was a, a very unpleasant man, uh, but uh, I mean there is something that can be said for it, for his philosophy. He believes that you should just discover what your true will is and act upon it. And if everybody did that, there wouldn't be any conflict because most conflicts arise from people not being able to do what um, deep inside they want to do. So there is some gravitas to his philosophy, but mostly I think he was just, uh, um, well, narcissistic, mm. a complete narcissist and uh, an unpleasant character, but um, a very interesting character. And uh, the, the villain in my uh, latest work of Work in Progress was uh, very heavily influenced by him. So he set this great inspiration for that particular book. So we, we've, we've spoken quite a lot about little bits of, of each of your books as, as your character goes through his journey and your influences and where that 
how you've um, you've incorporated your influences into your works. But I'm just very aware, I think, Olivier, that some of our listeners won't have been able to pick up one of your books as yet. And as you as you rightly identify that the first book is the one that's going to um, really support and, and them to understand where this character has come from and then they're able to follow him on the journey. So for our listeners, are you able to, to tell us a little bit about the storyline without giving too much away, of course, about yeah. that, that first book and why, it's, uh, why it will grip them? Okay, well, so the first book's called um, The Ornamental Hermit, and the main character is uh, Detective Sergeant John Billings from um, Scotland Yard, and he's been uh, assigned a case of uh, the murder of Lord Palmer. Lord Palmer is an uh, aristocrat who lives in a large um, large estate, and on his estate he had um, an ornamental hermit, which is something that aristocratic people used to have in the past. They used to build Follies of um, uh, old uh, Norman castles or uh, ruins of a Roman villa, just to make uh, make it look like uh, like they lived on a on an ancient piece of land. And they would also have a grotto and an ornamental hermit, so they'd employ somebody who lived as a hermit in in their estates, um, just you know for um, aesthetic reasons. Right. Um, so this man gets murdered, and they believe that the ornamental hermit lived in his estates murdered him, but uh, Detective uh, John Biddings thinks that he's being scapegoated, and he's trying to find out who the real culprit was. And then at the same time, he's also got another case that he's working on, a personal case about his um, his his uh, foster mother um, comes to him and wants him to, dis- to find out what happens to her son, his, his foster brother, who disappeared 10 years ago, so he's trying to solve mysteries at the same time and um yes also those are the two mysteries which 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 gradually unravel in in this book and well this is the first book so this is the book where you get to to know uh john billings you get to know his past and you get to know his um the demons that he struggles with uh, his loneliness his um inability to cope with his sexuality his uh, addiction to morphine all that is explained and brought up in that first book and um and when i suppose when uh, what sort of age group of, of people would you see this book being um sort of most uh, uh, i don't know how to word it really but um of, of interest to so what sort of age group would be most interested in this type of book do you think oh i'd, I'd say anything from um 30s upwards i guess um I mean, if I look at, at, at the people who, who read my book, they, yeah, they, they, they tend to be the age group and the upwards, I guess. But I mean, you know, anybody who's interested in Victorian uh, mm. mysteries. I, I, you know, people who, who like books set in the past tend to be older, I guess. Mm. Uh, younger people prefer contemporary books. And, and what's, what's next for you going forward? What's your next project look like? Is it a next set of books? What, what does that look like? Right, so, so yeah, this, um, my, my next book is coming out this summer. It's called A Glimpse of Heaven, and it's, it's also a book with uh, the same detective, John Billings, but this is the one that's taking a slightly different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to say too much because that would give away what happened in, in, in the other books. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it, it, this is the one about the, 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 the supernatural, that the occult, the one that's um, the, the one that's um, influenced by Alice Crowley. I also have um, another book, uh, completely unrelated to this, but they are also mysteries. Um, they are noir mysteries. It's an, an anthology of uh, three noir novellas, and I'm interested in writing another series of novellas and, and publish another book of, uh, of noir mysteries. Yes, you, uh, before I like to do things in between, in between uh, reading, uh, something different in between the different uh, mm. books. So um, I'm thinking of doing, uh, yeah, some more. And if there was a, if there was a book or a plot of a new book that um, you desperately would like to do but haven't quite built the confidence to do yet, what would that be about? Oh. Um, well, uh, I have been toying with the idea of, well, I have been sort of thinking um, about doing something like science fiction, that, that, that kind of interests me, but I, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have the confidence with, um, to, to, to do that, it's just too far, I, I've, I've gotten used to writing mysteries, but maybe a science fiction kind of mystery. Mm, sounds I'm good. Toying with. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, a mystery is set in the, in the future, set in a different planet or something like that, something a bit, with, with a bit more fantasy, but... Um, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm the person to write it. Murder mystery on Mars. <laughs> like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't well, take I don't his know. tips. You, you, need to know, you need to know. You need to know a lot about science, and uh, you know that. No, I think I'll, I'll just stick to our writing uh, about the past. But maybe oh, different either. Well, the way of the world right now, you don't really need to have science. You can just make it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to make it up, but it's probably it's probably, it's probably some yeah. kind of scientific uh, background to it to make it believable. Although, otherwise, it would just be completely fantasy. Oh, so, uh, well, let's let's give out. So, what's your information? So now, if people are interested and they want to follow up, uh, what's your website and contact info for them? Right, so uh, my website is um, oliverbosman.com, so it's just my, my name.com, um, and there's all my books uh, are there uh, with buy links. Uh, you can also look me up on uh, on Amazon. All my books are available on Amazon and also on Kindle Unlimited. Uh, you can also look me up on Facebook or Twitter. Um, so just, you know, my name is my handle. You just type in my name okay. and you'll probably find me. There you go. Well, uh, fantastic. So now we're going to have you up on our website as well, so listeners can just do one click and find your website and oh, all of your great books. Yeah. Okay. So our guest has been uh, on the phone all the way from Spain, uh, and during this uh, tough time, um, great books, and uh, check them out. It's Olivier Bossman. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.